Well, when I was preparing yesterday, a, a little phrase came to me that I wanted to say to you who are here at the 5.30 service. The Bible says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. <laughs> so welcome to the last service of the day, but you all are first in Christ yeah. this evening. So thank you so much for joining us. Now, last week, Pastor Mark began a series on key discipleship relationships. Um, and we received an invitation afresh. We accepted that invitation as well to be a disciple of Christ. The word disciple, of course, means a follower, but it's a little bit more than a follower, isn't it? You don't just follow if you're a disciple. You learn, yeah. you become, yeah. you do. So that's the difference between just following and so sometimes we use the word followers, but it really is that deep word of disciple. You've believed in something, you've been inspired by somebody, yeah. and you begin to follow them. So after you have accepted an invitation, say you've been invited to a wedding, to a party, to somebody's graduation service, what do you do once you've accepted that invitation? Nobody knows. You've accepted an invitation to the wedding. The wedding day comes. What do you do? You turn up. <laughs> you show up, don't you? You've accepted an invitation to go, and so you show up. Well, I accepted an invitation once a long time ago, and it was to be a facilitator on a youth personal development weekend away. And I want to tell you how some people showed up for me. How many of you have ever been abseiling? Let me see your hands. Oh, Pastor Mark. So that picture there is more of a rock climber. But when you're abseiling, you actually you, you climb to the top of a mountain, a hill or whatever, and then you kind of bounce your way down with all those attachments. So it's quite safe, apparently. Well, I was a facilitator for a weekend away with a group of young people. And what's amazing is you've just met them, you build a bit of rapport, but you don't really know what's going to happen. We went to Absel at the bottom of a hill. And as they scarpered up, I froze with fear. That was the first time I probably realized I don't like climbing up, I don't like I don't mind being high up, but I don't like climbing. I always have a fear that I'll fall. And so I was really embarrassed because I'm at the bottom of the hill and all these kids are already halfway up and I'm the facilitator. I'm supposed to be helping them. Hmm, have you ever been there? What surprised me? They turned round and saw my plight and came back down and held my hand and took me up the hill. Then I had to abseil down. I crashed against the wall a few times, but I did it. And what was amazing is that they showed up for me. I was supposed to be helping them, but they showed up for me. And that was quite exciting. Have you, can you remember a time when you were held up in life by somebody, when you were supported by somebody? Because that to me was just absolutely amazing. 
So we're going to look now at how the men around Moses showed up and how they supported him. Uh, as, as I read the text taken from Exodus 17, verses 8 to 14, you're going to see just a picture of what's taking place as Moses has help from two men who are part of his team. Why don't we put that picture up? But now, so this is Exodus 17, verses 8 to 14. But now the warriors of Amalek came to fight against the people of Israel at Rephidim. Moses instructed Joshua to issue a call to arms to the Israelites to fight the army of Amalek. Tomorrow, Moses told him, I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua and his men went out to fight the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up the rod in his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he rested his arms at his sides, the rod, the, the soldiers of Amalek were winning. So if he held his arms up, Israel were winning. If he dropped his arms, Amalek were winning. Moses' arms finally became too tired to hold up the rod any longer. So Aaron and Hur rolled a stone for him to sit on. And they stood on each side, holding up his hands until sunset. That's a good few hours, isn't it? As a result, Joshua and his troops crushed the army of Amalek, putting them to the sword. Then the Lord instructed Moses, Moses instructed Joshua to go to battle. The Lord instructs Moses, write this into a permanent record to be remembered forever and announce to Joshua that I will utterly blot out every trace of Amalek. Now, the Israelites are out in the wilderness. They've escaped from Egypt. So if you don't know the story, I'm just giving you a quick bit of background. After all, some of you listening online and some of you in here this evening may be here for the first time. But it's a very famous story in the Bible. The Israelites are out in the wilderness. They were in slavery to uh, Egypt and they have escaped. God has rescued them and they're in the wilderness going towards a land that God has promised is theirs. Moses is leading Israel but he's got a team with him. He's got his sister, Miriam. He's got his brother, Aaron. He's got Joshua, that military man we were just reading about. And he's got her, among others. But Amalek, who's Amalek? He is a grandson of Esau. Now, Esau fell out with his twin brother, Jacob, a few years before. Imagine that. Over deception, they fell out. Years later, his grandson Amalek takes a crack at Israel. Just look and think about our own families. Years ago, two brothers fight. Deception sets in. They stop talking. There's fear between them. There's animosity. And now the grandson, and now a nation affects another nation. What about our own families? What animosities are there that go down our lineage? Well, that auntie didn't talk to that auntie. So we, the children, the cousins, we don't talk to each other. We don't want to live like that, do we? 
We don't want to be at war with our families because of what's taken place in our generations before, do we? We want to be a people who start afresh. We want to be a people who don't hold that animosity and whole nations fight because of that. We've got to fix our business, haven't we? We've got to fix the past. So they go to war. Well, Joshua, who is Joshua? Joshua was born into slavery in Egypt, but he becomes a key leader with Moses and he fights battles. And eventually he becomes Moses' successor. So we could say he's one who followed Moses and he's one who was discipled by Moses. And there was a deep level of trust as Joshua obeyed Moses and went to fight. He trusted Moses, but he also trusted the God of Moses. Think about those who have been following Jesus when we go over into the New Testament. He called his disciples, come follow me. They dropped their fishing nets, etc. but they didn't know who he was. But along that discipleship journey, they grow and they understand who he is and why they're following him. But these gentlemen knew they had shown up. So the first thing I want to tell us to do, if we truly, as some of us committed last week, to be followers, disciples of Christ, that we accepted that invitation, we have to choose to show up, just like they did. These people had history with Moses, his team. They'd been with him, they'd stood with him, they'd seen God's leading. After all, they escaped from Egypt. They saw the Red Sea part and they escaped. They saw miracles. They've shown up and they follow God and they follow Moses' leading. They choose to do this. In other words, they choose to be present with Moses. In the good times, in the hard times, in the bad times, in the difficult times, they choose to be present. They choose to follow him. They could have stayed in Egypt or they could have been one of the complainers in the wilderness. Why have you brought me here? As most of the children of Israel were doing, complaining. But no, they chose to follow and to do I just want to flip over to a story in the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. And it's just one um, example of when you follow, you choose to show up, then you change your mind. So there was a gentleman called Demas, and he was with the Apostle Paul on many journeys, many missions. He went when Paul was in prison twice to be there to comfort him, to help him. And then suddenly he was gone. In 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, verse 10 says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. So there is an example of somebody who says they're going to stay, who says they're present, and then suddenly they're gone. They're gone. Let's go over to the book of Acts, chapter 15. I want to give you another example. The book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, so there was a relationship there. 
Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. But Barnabas wanted to take John, who is called Mark, with them. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and he had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and left with the blessing of the saints onto the missions. Now, isn't it interesting that there are two facts here? None of them stopped following Jesus Christ. They were all interested in the work of Christ. They had been discipled perhaps by some of the apostles and certainly these who were with Paul must have known and been taught by him because he was such a great teacher of the church of Christ in those days, in, the, in our New Testament days. But Paul was pointing out that John Mark shouldn't come because he also left them. And Barnabas is saying, so what? So there's a disagreement. So two things are here. John Mark's reputation isn't so good. He's a disciple and a follower that changes his mind and doesn't stay. Then he comes back. Then he goes again. Who are we? Do we know whether we should be here serving Christ or whether we should be in another place? We need to know. And then we'll follow. And here is Barnabas. He's been with Paul. He shows faithlessness, doesn't he? He says, well, if you don't have him, I'm gone. What happened to that disciple following and learning? What happened to that disciple that would or should have stayed the course? There's a split. We don't want to hear that. And that's so different to the story that took place when Aaron and her showed up for Moses. So let me ask you a question today. Are you going to choose to be present with the one that you've chosen to follow? Or are you going to choose to be present sometimes and then other times not? Have you made the choice today who you will follow? Did you make that commitment last week if you were here with us at 5.30? Did you accept that invitation and are you still going to the event? So if you choose to show up like Aaron and Ben, sorry, her did. Yeah, <laughs> it's that movie, isn't it? Ben, her, that's always in my head. What is the next thing to do? We have to be willing to do something, don't we? We have to be willing to act. You see, disciples, followers, don't just sit and learn. As they learn, they also put into practice what they're being taught. They begin to understand what has inspired them to follow somebody. So they begin to get active in doing the same thing. And I'd like to ask Frank to come up onto the platform, please. And I'd like to ask Rodell. Would you please come up to the platform? Thank you so much. They won't need a microphone, but thank you so much for your help. You can give that back to him. Um, I just want you to follow me. Frank, you're going to do everything I do. Rodell, you're going to start off doing everything I do, and then you're going to change your mind.
They're looking good so far, aren't they? Are they both still following me? Doing everything? Is one of them doing their own thing? So, you're staying the course? Rodell, come on. You've got to be in it, haven't you? You've got to act. Thank you so very much. Very, very much. Thank you. Frank, I do believe the Lord is saying to you, follow me. You know, you have begun. You're here serving now as a steward. And I saw when I was sitting down that he says, keep stepping into my footsteps. Keep stepping. You will not fail. God bless you. Hallelujah. Step into his footsteps. Hallelujah. So, here we are with some who will follow and do the same. Now, of course, we're not supposed to look the same. Do I look like Pastor Mark? Do I look like Pastor Scott? No. Do we speak the same? No. But we're serving the same God. Yeah. And if we're serving the same God, then we have that purpose. We have the same purpose, serving Christ, serving Christ, serving Christ. No matter what we do, we're serving Christ. No matter how it's expressed, we're serving Christ. That doesn't change about us. Now, have any of you been to a gym and done some weightlifting? Anybody here a gym enthusiast? 2022? Yeah, I've got a couple of hands there. 2022 has kicked in and some of us said, right, this is the year. This is how we start again. We're going to the gym. We're going to get fit. We're going to exercise. And it's now the uh, 16th, is it, of January. How are we doing with our commitment? (laughs) There's a few laughs there. Well, look at these incredible people here at the back. Now, at the end of every year, there is a competition on the television which I like to watch. It's called the World's Strongest Man competition. Can you believe Claudette watches the World's Strongest Man? I think it's incredible what they achieve. They're trying to outdo one another, lifting the most weights. I think their muscles are going to burst and snap. I see the strain in their necks and I, I get scared. But it is incredible what they achieve. But they're against each other. One man must win. Wow. Well, look at the picture behind me. As you can see, each of them are carrying their own weight. Once they've lifted it to that weight, They have a couple of seconds at the most where they can keep holding on, don't they? How long can they keep holding that bar up? Not very long at all. Their arms will begin to shake. Pain sets in. And eventually, it gives way. Have you ever been carrying a piece of furniture with somebody else at the other end and suddenly they let go. Ooh, what happens to you? You can't carry on anymore because you don't have the help that you need. 
So imagine what it must have been like for Moses as the battle went on. He had the greatest responsibility as the leader to ensure that the battle would go God's way. That was enormous. I will go to the top of the hill and I will hold up the rod of God. And while I hold it up, you will be winning. What a responsibility as his arms begin to hurt, as pain sets in, as he's sweating, as he's shaking, and as he knows, as he drops his arms, oh my goodness, they're beginning to lose. I've got to push up again and again and again. But look at this powerful picture of relationship in discipleship. Joshua is leading the fight as instructed by Moses. He's doing his part and he and his men with him. But victory is dependent on the power of God being shown through what Moses is doing. Joshua knows he has to keep looking up at that hill. He can't do it alone. Then Moses' hands drop again. Joshua needs him. He needs him. Moses can't keep his arms up. So Aaron and her are with him. They could have stood by watching because I'm a disciple and I'm just learning. So as I, I watch, I'll learn. They could have. But they know they must act. They must help. They must be a strength to him. They choose to take responsibility with Moses and hold up his arms so that Moses is strengthened and does not fail so that Joshua and the army do not fail, so that God's purpose is achieved, which is victory for Israel. They did not fail to act. They did not fail to do their part in helping Moses because, first of all, their relationship is with God and, secondly, with each other. They've got to help each other to achieve the greater good. So... We have looked at choosing to show up and we've looked at being willing to act. Now I talk about me, myself and I. And it's quite amazing because Pastor Mark said something in his introduction, which um, is kind of on, along the same line. So if Moses had chosen to go up the mountain alone, what would have happened? He would have had no help, would he? He would have failed if he had chosen to go alone or if he'd said to her and Aaron, oh no, it's all right, I don't need you. Me, myself and I, I'm going to do this. I'm the one that's going to be seen as the one who's achieved. How many of us want to go it alone so that we are the ones who shine? Think about a football team. Even though you may have the front runners, the high scorers, the Lionel Messi's or Cristiano Ronaldo's or Mo Salah's, I know one or two footballers that are good, they could not have scored as a one-man team, could they? They needed others around them to help make them great. Let's be honest. The work of Christ didn't die when he died on the cross. We have to help one another. So let's look at chapter at Luke chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, as I make a point here. Luke chapter 8, verses 2 to 3. I'm going to read something that was taking place in the days when Jesus walked on the earth. Well, actually, I'll start from verse 1, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterwards, he, that's Jesus, began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. That's the 12 that were his closest disciples that he'd drawn to be with him. 
and also some women, yay, who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, but they've gone, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. So here you have Jesus walking on the earth and his disciples, and he's on his mission, and he's doing the will of God. But women, out of their private provision, out of their private means, are supporting, are caring for, are giving, are, are, are nourishing them, are helping them, supporting them, following Jesus. Disciples of Jesus. Does every disciple have to preach? If I'm a disciple of Pastor Mark, do I have to preach like him? Or could I be cleaning the church? Would I still be as important? So that's amazing that from their own possessions, they supported. And the work of Christ did not die when he died on the cross for us. Those disciples, those followers, he built relationship with, so those apostles and perhaps those 120 in the room that, that believed and went at the day of Pentecost. But they whom he had inspired with his truth, they carried on the work he started. They followed him, they acted, they carried on. The gospel is spread because disciples do what they've been taught by their discipler and they follow and they act. And they don't want to shine for themselves. They don't want to go it alone. They're together, doing that work together. In the book of Acts as well, chapter 12, verse 5. Peter was in prison. He miraculously is released from prison. But what was going on in the background? There were a group of people praying for his release. So he was in prison. He's talking to God. But here we are again. Other disciples of Jesus are doing their part. They're acting. He's in trouble. We're praying. They prayed and he was freed. They're doing something. So they haven't just listened. They haven't just learned but they're acting, they're helping, they're showing up and making it count. There's so many occasions that uh, where Paul in the New Testament is rescued by other disciples, moved to another place when he's in a place of danger for safety, so that he can fulfill what he's been told by God to do, which is to reach Rome. So again, a group of them have a purpose. Paul has to reach Rome. We have our part to play. Here, again, Aaron and her had a purpose. God has said Israel must have victory because Israel must reach a land that I'm giving them, the promised land. They're on the same page. They have one purpose together. And, and it didn't matter what that meant. All that mattered was we have to do what we can so that that purpose is fulfilled. Here we are in Kensington Temple. One purpose, Jesus Christ, his will, his plan. Here we are. What is our part? What are we going to do about it? It was so important as well for 
Aaron and her. But Moses talked about he would hold up the rod because the rod had represented in Egypt the power of God. The miracles took place as he threw the rod or pointed the rod. And he's holding up again that rod that represents this is about God and not me. And this is about his plan and his work. And that's so important. Are you really ready to change direction from your plans to join with a greater one? I was going to be a pop singer and an actor and a performer before I got born again. And God changed my plans. Was I willing to give those things up? Yes. And now I have a better dream, a better life. And I'm with it, doing it with other people together. They helped Moses. They helped Israel to victory. My final note as I, I bring this to a close, only one person was supposed to go it alone. And that was Jesus Christ yeah. and the sacrifice he made on the cross. That belonged to him only. After that, the body of Christ is to act as one representing all Christ did, relating to Christ and relating to one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, which I note was in our devotional today. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. We're not alone. We have to be relational with one another so the Holy Spirit can work. Verse 27, now here is what I'm trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ and each one of you is a se separate and necessary part of it. We're all necessary. You out there online watching, it's necessary. You're necessary to us here in Kensington Temple. You're necessary. The men around Moses didn't do what they did because Moses was great. They did it because of the will of God. Are you joining our common goal today as the body of Christ? To share the message of the gospel and bring people into God's kingdom together. This means that we may not all do the same thing, but we're working always for the same thing. If we're leading or if we're in a cell, if we're cleaning the church, if we're speaking to people on the streets, if we're part of the worship team, if we're greeting people at reception, if we're making a hospital or a home visit, if we're helping in the food hub, if we're answering the telephone, we're showing up for the greater good. We're showing up for the purpose of Christ. We're showing up to help. Are we ready to continue that journey that we've begun? Show me your hands if you're ready. Amen.